have one of my best friends with me, Meg, also known as Knock Knock Mama Thak. She is a mother of three boys and she has volunteered to join me today to talk a little bit about postpartum depression, a little bit about body dysmorphia and yoga. So welcome, Meg. Thank you for joining us. And I was wondering if you could give us a little background about who you are. Tell us who you are. And then we'll kind of get more into the postpartum stuff. Okay. Well, I am Megan Thacker. I've known you now for a long time. Since we were 19. Since we were 19. I like that. Yep. Um, And... My life has led me to be a stay-at-home mom right now to three boys under five. Um, And my husband is a behavioral therapist. Um, And yeah, that's, they're keeping me busy. That's life right now. Um, Is really just keeping these little tiny things alive. Well, and you know, Yes, keeping them alive, but also being one of my main support people during my postpartum anxiety, being one of the realest moms I know out there. And I think I've given you credit in the past for kind of helping me not get postpartum depression. I think when I had the girls, if it weren't for you being there like, yeah, sometimes it's hard. It's not easy. You know, it's okay if you don't like it today and kind of helping me not have that guilt was so helpful. So Yes, you're keeping them alive, but you're also keeping your friends alive as well, us moms out there struggling, and I've really appreciated that. And going back, because I know, you know, your your oldest is five, so you've been in the game, right? You've been in the mom game a little bit. Yeah. What would you say, you know, going back, did you experience any postpartum anxiety or depression? How did you know... What did you notice? When did you notice? What would you say? Sure. Okay. So I have experienced, so I have three kids, the youngest being 11 months old, the oldest being five and a half. And I have experienced different things with each pregnancy and postpartum. So with my first, I have three boys. So my first son, after he was born, I had postpartum anxiety and I don't think I realized it until much later after I was out of it um, with him because I think like you talk about in your book, I kind of chalked it up to like loving this very tiny little creature so much and doing everything to protect him and just being hyper vigilant about his safety. Um, And I probably had it mild if I'm honest. Um, but there were intrusive thoughts. I'm a little bit of an anxious person just in general, so it wasn't alarming. Um, and then we got pregnant by surprise with our second son when our first son was only nine months old. And that really threw me. I wasn't ready. Um, and after he was born, I had postpartum depression pretty bad undiagnosed and I did not realize I had it until he was almost two years old which is horrible that I ignored myself for that long but uh, I didn't really realize I was in it until I was coming out of it if that makes sense yeah Uh, um, no but yes and then with my third son 
I've been lucky enough because of the first two experiences to be very hyper vigilant when I feel myself or felt myself having like baby blues or maybe an off week, you know, connecting with my husband, connecting with a support person, getting out of the house, like really hyper vigilant to make this a different experience than the first two. So let's go to your first, because I'll be honest, I would say out of our friend group, Mm -hmm. you've always been the more laid back one, right? Mm -hmm. So we have different personalities in our friend group. You can tell them what I would be described as probably the wild one. Um, You're definitely an extrovert. You need (laughs) interaction and I'm definitely an introvert. I need my own time. Right. So I would say with your first, I wouldn't say that I noticed the anxiety. Um, And I know that we've talked about our symptoms being, you know, different from each other. What would you say you noticed with your first when you say you had the anxiety? Um, I think so. I think just like a lot of parents that probably go undiagnosed, um, both moms and dads, um, it was just like that constant worrying about the worst possible thing that could happen that was not really even close to happening you know like more than just checking and making sure they're breathing at night but like you know what if this what if my child dies what if this happens like I love this little tiny creature so much this would destroy me how do I keep them safe like head on a swivel constantly um but more intrusive thoughts things that were realistic they were never not realistic but they were definitely not applicable to the situation if that makes sense like they weren't astronomical things that could possibly never happen they were very real things that could happen but they weren't even close to happening in the moment so like you weren't afraid okay so I when I hear you say astronomical right I think about okay Somebody might be like, I'm worried a plane, like if you live by an airport, a plane's going to crash down on our house and hurt my baby, right? That might be like, eh, probably not going to happen. But I think about me, where when I would see people wearing buttons on their shirts, like, Mm -hmm. what if that button comes undone and my baby opens their mouth and they're talking and don't realize it and it falls in their mouth, I better sit close by, you know, like, obviously it could happen, but the likelihood would probably be slim to none type of thing. Yes. This would be, yeah, I would experience things like, um, you know, holding on to the rail so tight when you're walking down the stairs. Like, I've never fallen down these stairs, but, you know, the that one time or um, windows, being terrified that windows would slam down on their little fingers. Um, windows that have never, like, nice windows that have never done that, that like, was like a huge fear. Um, like fall, like things that could definitely happen with a baby, like smashing their face when they're learning to walk or, you know, things that happen. I was just so like aware of every single danger to the point where I was like so concerned that something was definitely going to happen. He was like, something was definitely going to take this little tiny baby away from me forever and he's knock on wood never had to go to the hospital he's very healthy very safe very strong young boy but it was overwhelming I think because I was one of the first ones 
of my friends or family to have a baby and I kind of am a little bit of a worrier anyway so this was just like a new level of worrying over this little thing that I loved more than anything and I think a lot of parents experience that because you do love your kids so much from the instant you find out you're pregnant or the instant you meet them or you know whatever your instant is you love them so much you would never let anything happen to them and I think you hold on to that as like I'm being so protective I love this little thing and that's true to a degree but there's also a degree I think even worse much there is much worse than I experienced that it can interfere with your life yeah and I think you know um like I wrote in the book and thank you so much you read it and you gave me great feedback and I'm appreciative for that I say in the book like at every appointment with your child right if you get the printed handout there's like a series of safety tips like make sure to do this make sure to do this and how I said in the book like your visits kind of predispose you to be on guard and to pay attention to every worry and that you know they kind of let it be known that you have a very vulnerable human in your hands be careful and I think for people that don't have anxiety it's quickly to look at that list and say yep did those things no big deal but for somebody with anxiety it's the hypervigilance it's the uh, perceptive thought of Did I do everything? Are they really safe? What if an accident happens? And like you said, I think everybody worries to a degree, but when it impacts your functioning is when we kind of differentiate between normal worries versus like maybe a postpartum anxiety, like me looking out the windows to see if anybody's standing to take my children out of our home. Probably not going to happen. Probably shouldn't get up six times a night to look out the window, you know? Yeah, I think one that's probably pretty common, and I know just from speaking to you and other friends that where it does get a little bit intrusive is when um, you feel like you can't be away from your kids. Like like these yes. parents, these people that raised you, that made sure you, you know, are the person you are today. You don't even trust them. Like, yeah. well, my mom hasn't had kids for around for this long. They won't know, and they won't know that they need this and this and this and they won't know that they're super fast and they won't you know they're older now they won't be able to keep up and you know I think when it gets into your brain where to the to the point where you are not able to take a break especially for me this was my experience as a stay-at-home mom which I wasn't then but still as a stay-at-home mom I need those times out of the house like I need to interact with adults I do need to be away from my kids for my own health um the inability to let go and enjoy myself while I was out the inability to trust anyone to be with my kids to me that was where it got to be intrusive because I no longer trusted people who I literally trusted with my life (laughs) to watch my yeah right yeah and you know I talk about that too it was like people that I know are good people, people that if, you know, before I had my kids would have been people that I would have, you know, said, hey, if something happens to me, I trust you to take care of all my assets or, you know, whatever. And then something flipped after I had my first, you know, harp. And it was like, I can't trust anyone. I don't know that they can be safe. I don't know if they're going to look at her 100% of the time. And gosh, you would have to help me do the math to when I even let myself go on a first outing. I don't, 
Do you even remember? I don't know how long it was before. Um, I remember watching Heart when you went to a work training. Okay. Um, and she was little still, but I mean, she had to be maybe six months old, probably. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right because I didn't go back to work till mm-hmm. probably close to six months because I was, of course, afraid. So, yeah. So I think, like you said, you know, when you're realizing to, you know, for our listeners that are wondering, like, should I be worried? You know, I think that's one red flag. Would you agree when you don't trust people that used to be very trustworthy in your world? Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you have some kind of family dynamic where there's a reason not to trust somebody, you know, follow your gut. But I think if if you find yourself with the inability to trust anyone, especially to your your own spouse, if you are unable to truthfully trust anyone you might have if you if you have a good support system and there's people you have trusted in the past with you know big life things if you have a kid and you are now no longer able to trust them without any good actual reason or evidence I would say maybe consider that you're a little bit anxious right and I think we've both talked about that and have maybe even seen it with maybe um, seeing each other, you know, micromanage tasks or questioning, you know, what the other parent's doing. And, you know, if there's, like you said, no validity to it, they are being safe. There isn't a concern, you know, you might want to question that. To switch gears just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the postpartum depression, because I think the hardest thing as a friend was, and you, you know, you talked to me about this when somebody was like, oh, you just don't seem yourself and that didn't click for you. The postpartum depression symptoms, because I was a friend that was like, man, you know, you don't seem yourself, but at the same time as a friend that didn't have two kids and not understanding that dynamic, I was kind of toying with, well, it's probably just super busy. She's probably just tired. Can you share a little bit of your postpartum depression experience and in hindsight, right? Because you said, you know, almost two years later, you realized kind of what was going on. But when it kind of clicked, what were your symptoms? What did you notice in hindsight? How did you become aware of it? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be completely honest um, about everything, but I experienced postpartum depression differently than I've ex- heard anyone else describe it or had heard anyone else describe it. There's certain aspects I've still never met another person who has been open and honest or has admitted to having some of these same issues, but I can guarantee I'm not the only person. Um, so like I said before, we Uh, got pregnant with our second son when our first son was nine months old we weren't really in a position to it wasn't in the plan my husband was we had just started a business my husband was in grad school Um, we you know I was working at a restaurant so that we could split our time and not put our son in daycare Um, because truthfully we couldn't afford it between you know grad school and him working and starting a business and a little kid 
and we got pregnant with Hawk, who was my second son. Um, and I was not prepared. I was not ready. I had just stopped breastfeeding and I was super pumped to have my body back to myself. And I had it for about a month before I knew I was pregnant, took the test. Sure enough, was so, so sick. Um, and I think that was just like the, to be honest, the start of it all, um, going from like the surprise and the shock and like the preparing myself to now have two kids when we really weren't ready. Not that you ever are, but I certainly mentally wasn't prepared. Um, the feeling so, so sick that wears on you. And I was sick for a while. Um, I think it started then and just like the inability to know that I could do it. The two kids under, you know, two. Uh, I think it started there. And to be honest, it kind of just spun out of control before I even realized what was going on. Um, and I didn't realize what was going on until I was coming out of it. But for me, my symptoms would have been, you know, they ask you these questions on the Edinburgh scale when you do it. And it was questions that to me weren't relatable because I was super pregnant. I had a really young kid who was running around like, they ask you questions about, you know, do you enjoy the things you used to do? Well, I don't have time to do the things I used to do. At that point, I was, you know, my husband was home, but not really home. And there was no time to think about myself and what I enjoyed and what I did. It was just this constant, you know, repetition every day of get up, get the things done. There was no time to reflect on myself. And in that, not that you need to be like a re constantly reflecting, but there was literally no time. I was so tired. I think it just wore me down and then add in the pregnancy and the hormones and then giving birth and those hormones um, and another baby to the mix. There was literally no time. I barely saw other adults. And when I did see other adults, I was so deep in my own, you know, hormonal imbalance that I couldn't let go to even enjoy or be present. Um, so some of the things I experienced that up until that point, I had no idea were symptoms of postpartum depression um, were the complete loss of self. I had, I barely took care of myself, if I'm being honest. Um, rage, horrible, horrible rage. Uh, not like outwardly with anyone, but inwardly, I was constantly in a state of rage. Um, and luckily, I was able to not like outwardly rage at my children who were very, very tiny, but um, that was a big surprising one. Um, eventually it got to the point, and this is where I knew something was wrong. It got to the point where I, the best way I can describe it is I was having similar to like a post-traumatic stress disorder reaction when anyone who wasn't my child would touch me. Um, I would freeze and instantly start having like panic attacks. Um, my poor husband was not really able to even touch me uh, at all um, without me absolutely having a panic attack. Um, and I think that just, I lost track of myself. I was totally disconnected 
from myself completely. Um, and the thing that got me out of it was going to yoga. That was when I was forced to confront myself, I guess, um, and bring up emotions and feelings and reconnect. Like, this is going to sound silly, but literally reconnect my brain to my body. Um, and once I started to come out of it, I could see how deep I had truly been in it. But I was too busy in the middle of it to even realize that I was suffering, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, and I've appreciated you being so honest about that because, you know, from a friend perspective, you can't see those things, you know, because mm-hmm. even if I would have touched you or hugged you, it wasn't an outward panic attack where a lot of people, you know, think of like hyperventilating and maybe shaking and moving. Yeah. There's was internal, like we didn't even know. Yeah. And, you know, um, and I want to get to, you know, in a couple minutes here, because you are a stay-at-home mom, but probably one of the smartest stay-at-home moms, right? Like you are so trauma-informed, even though I know that, you know, I know you've told me before, I know I'm not the, you know, there's other people more knowledgeable, (laughs) but you've become very, very knowledgeable about trauma in the body, whether it's, you know, PTSD or other trauma, you know, postpartum. So I wanted you, if you wouldn't mind kind of sharing what you've learned. So because I talk to people and I encourage them to do yoga after you've educated me and I've read books (laughs) that you've recommended. And I think a lot of people kind of have, you can call me out. I was just like, oh, yoga, hipsters, right? And so, but until you educated me, I was like, no, there's really a lot of healing for people that have had trauma. And so you mentioned, you know, connecting your body back to the brain. That's a real thing. Could you kind of, and even educate me again, what have you learned about trauma and yoga and the, and the body and why is it helpful and what does it do? Cause it's not like you're sharing it just for yoga works for you. It's scientifically proven, right? That it works for many trauma um, based people. So could you educate us all on that? What you've learned? I know you, I know I'll give the disclaimer for you. You're not an expert in the field, but you really, really are. So I'm not an expert in the field. However, I have personally experienced it. So about it and I have read and, you know, looked at studies on this and it is very scientific, but so essentially when you have a moment of trauma, um, whether it's childhood trauma or something like a car accident or, you know, your brain can enter a couple different states, you know, depending on the trauma, um, like flight, fright, or freeze. And so that's your brain dealing with this very big thing that's happening. And in that instance, specifically with PTSD, your brain gets stuck in almost like a loop and it needs to... uh, through repetition, you need to make new connections within your brain. And there's, I can say a couple books that I think do a great job of explaining the brain and how it works, because it is super complicated, but also very simple. Um, But for me, specifically relating back to my postpartum depression, that was at that point, 
presenting itself much like trauma in that I was constantly freezing in my day-to-day life um, constantly. And so what yoga did, and I, I went back to yoga not for this reason. I went back to yoga because I liked it. I wanted to go back because I had done it before I had kids. And my pregnancies were pretty rough for me. Um, and I wasn't able to continue through my pregnancies. And so when I got to the point where I could be away from my kids for an hour, I knew it was good for me. I started going back. And what that did is it literally forced me, one, to do something for myself that wasn't cleaning. It wasn't a face mask at night. It wasn't going to the grocery store by myself. This was the one thing that was for me that I did for myself um, because I wanted to. And it was a thing I scheduled into our week, you know, three to five times that was like, no, this is my time. So I was reclaiming something for myself. And that was huge because at that point, like I told you, I was barely taking care of myself. Um, My kids were always taken care of. I was not. And then through yoga, you learn to breathe, which you breathe a different way. It's very... um, through your nose, inhales and exhales, super deep, but you breathe into the rhythm and that rhythm leads your movements. And it's a way to create a balance between your brain and your body where you are breathing through movement that as you go to more classes, you learn is very repetitive and you can guess what you're gonna do next. Um, There's a sequence, but it teaches you to breathe through these difficult things And things come up, whether it's physical discomfort, emotional discomfort. And I know that sounds very like you just have to do it for yourself to see. Um, But I was able to learn how to breathe through these hard things in class. And that leaked into the rest of my life where I was able to breathe through a moment of rage or breathe through my freeze or breathe through discomfort in you know, whatever it may be, it allowed me to literally connect my brain to the movements I was making, which helped me come out of people physically touching me. You know, I was able to not freeze anymore. Um, And my husband and I, that took a lot of conversations, a lot of our own personal things to work through that. But that was part of it. It wasn't his fault. It was nothing he was doing. Um, I was so disconnected that him touching me was sending a shock through my body where I didn't know what to do. So through yoga, I was truly able to reconnect pathways in my brain to bring me back to me, to allow me to move forward with the things I was ignoring. Um, and it's very scientific. I can give books and studies. There's things that works. Your brain is amazing. It can recreate, create pathways. It can create new ones. Um, but for me, it was definitely my saving grace. I've been doing it now for on and off for six years, but the last three years I've been doing it at least three to five times a week and it's created a very safe space for me once I get on that mat and enter a child's pose 
everything else disappears. I can breathe. I can move through. It allows me to be a clearer person, a better mom, a better partner, a more present person. Um, And I think maybe yoga is not for you. Maybe it's not for everybody, but I think people do have to find that thing that's for them that allows them to clear their brain to make them a better person whatever that may be for you if it's reading if it's for my husband he needs to be out socializing with friends he needs that um you know for other people it might be running whatever it is I think you got to find it yeah and I think that was my initial thing with harp was like I just physically ran away and then it turned into running like I ran away from the house as soon as you know uh, Andy would get home and then I'd run away and then I started running longer but I think yoga probably would have been more helpful I just wasn't as educated at the time and I think it's also really helpful for the moms out there that don't want to take medication so I've openly mm-hmm. shared that Zoloft works for me for my rage um, and but for the moms out there that are uncomfortable with medications or don't like the idea of that, yoga would be a very good alternative and time to take for yourself. And it probably does similar work in regards to, like you said, reconnecting the pathways, rerouting them, mm-hmm. getting the brain kind of back in center if you are not a fan of medications. And I know we haven't talked about this yet, and you kind of hinted at it, but There's a term we call body dysmorphia, basically where Mm -hmm. you see your body one way when others see it another way. I believe you said you experienced that. And I know you said there was a point where you didn't kind of even recognize yourself. Would you mind sharing about that? Yeah. So I've, yes. So um, I've always been on the thinner side um, and with each of my kids, I gained a ton of weight and it wasn't like I wasn't taking care of myself at the time or I wasn't eating healthy. I mean, I'm a vegetarian. I watch the amount of cheese I eat. I mean, you're a very healthy person. I can, yeah, I mean, I'm, you're very I'm healthy. I try yeah. to be as healthy as I can and it didn't matter. Uh, I gained a lot of weight. I gained over 60 pounds with my first son, close to 60 with my second, and over 40 with my third. Um, and then I got left with, I was one of those people that uh, didn't bounce back, which newsflash in case anyone doesn't know, that happens to a lot of people. Bouncing back is actually not the normal. Um, but I held on to the weight as I breastfed, which up until that point, I thought you breastfeed and the weight just comes off, which that's also not true. I would um, say that's another stereotype. So yeah. don't assume if you breastfeed that you'll lose yeah. weight. Yeah. And don't get discouraged either um, with yourself. I've learned now after the third pregnancy to be super comfortable in my own skin, but it wasn't like that after the first two. Um I still have weight to lose after Mariner, my third son. You know, I'm still, I don't know, 10, 15 pounds heavier than I would like to be, but I'm okay with that now. But back, backing up five years ago, I put on so much weight after Sam, and I didn't recognize myself because I, I wasn't pregnant anymore. 
I was, you know, six, seven months out. I thought I should have the, my body back. And it was a body I did not recognize. It, I was super uncomfortable with it. There was extra skin, extra weight. I mean, my chest did not, you know, breastfeeding takes a toll on your chest. It was not what it used to be. It was sad. Um, and it got to the point where I would just cover myself with, you know, yoga pants and an oversized sweatshirt, um, jeans and a baggy top. I just, and that's fine. That's a perfect style. That's fine. But I was doing it to avoid looking at myself. And then, you know, I got pregnant again and then I got, you know, huge with Hawk and, I just got to the point where I think, again, I was so disconnected from myself that after Hawk with the depression, which is not a plug to lose weight via depression, but with the depression and having the two young kids and running all over the place, I did lose the weight, but I was so stuck in my brain that I was, because I wasn't what I was pre-kids, but I also wasn't 25 anymore, I just assumed I was huge and I was just hiding my body and all these things because I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror because I didn't recognize myself. I didn't know myself. I didn't see myself in that person, not the person I was before kids. And I think I was almost back to my original size before I realized like, hey, <laughs> I think you actually. I was going to say, <laughs> can we tell him? Yeah, we were in Nashville and I had these shirts that I was like swimming in and you and our friend Jill were like, that doesn't fit you. You're small. You're not this person. And it was like, oh, I guess they're right. I am back to, you know, my regular size. But if you hadn't said anything, I don't think it ever would have occurred to me that I wasn't still 50 pounds overweight. Truthfully. I was going to say, and I wondered if that's when a light bulb went off, because even when we said it, your face, I could tell. And I think that, you know, looking back, we were being funny in Nashville and probably because I had just pulled a prank on you. I don't know. But looking back, it just makes me so sad because I can re-see your face. And yeah. I truly don't think you realized what size you were. Again, and like we had said in Nashville, like if that shirt fit you well, we wouldn't say anything. But like you're talking yeah. about, this shirt was baggy. We were on a girl's trip. We were getting ready to go out. This wasn't like a shirt you would have typically worn if you would have realized what your size was, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was a shirt I never would have picked out pre-kids because it wasn't my style. I was just trying to hide things that weren't there. And obviously like, I think this is the thing, you, you know, you progress and you learn. And now as a 30 something year old parent, after the third child, I realized like my body has been through so, so much. And third time around, I'm finally like coming to terms and comfortable with things, but like, my body has been through some stuff. Like my boys are big boys. I gained a lot of weight. I was physically like barely able to walk at times. And you know, I've earned these stretch marks. I've earned this extra skin. I've earned 
the ability to feel comfortable in the journey I've been on and the body that's left over after it. And I think this third time around, you know, more people are having kids. And I think I've realized like how fortunate I am to have been able to carry these kids and how fortunate I am to like be mad about the extra weight if that makes any sense like I've earned these things I've done these things and that's okay and my body isn't going to look the same as it did when I was 24 and this is my new body and some days are hard to look at and some days I know it will never go back to the way it was but if I'm not proud of it who's going to be and I don't want my boys specifically to see me being self-conscious and think that that's okay for women to not love themselves just the way they are. I don't want them to see me cover up in a bathing suit I hate because I'm five pounds overweight. I want them to see like, this is what women's bodies do. We have babies. It's a miracle. And our bodies go through it and it's okay if they have a little extra weight. It's okay you know, you don't bounce back. It's okay to have stretch marks. It's okay. Like those are normal things. And I want my boys to fully expect and understand that this is what happens to a woman's body and it's beautiful and natural. And I don't want to cover up because I want them to later on in life, you know, leave women better than they found them, I guess. And I think it's sad that we've been raised in a society that if you maybe are a a little heavier than you normally are, that you are like shamed into feeling unworthy. When I think, you know, that absolutely. And with me having two girls, you know, I'm very conscious of not making comments about you know, my body and whatnot. And I would say for me, I was on the opposite end, right? Like I was the person that nursed and dropped a ton of weight. And like I I write about it in my book, people assume that I must have been confident in my body, but people don't prepare you even for people that lose a lot of weight of the changes. Cause I still had the skin that didn't feel like my skin, you know, although I was smaller, I still had really stretchy skin that if I leaned over, had a weird texture to it that I wasn't used to. So even though the scale showed a really small number, a number that I hadn't seen since middle school, my body felt not, you know, it didn't feel tight in my clothes. It didn't feel like I was fit. It felt Mm -hmm. just like if I were to be 30 pounds heavier than I am now, even though I was a lot smaller, the skin that came with having a baby didn't make me feel confident in my clothes. And then you and I joke about the sad sacks, right? You get done nursing, you go from porn star boobs, right? Like to, you know, never wanted to take pictures of my chest before, but I do now because these are cool type of boobs to like, where did everything go? Like they took the milk and the tissue and there's literally a nipple and that's about it. And so it's like, I could be smaller. What'd you say? Just hanging there. Just hang in there. Like, what are you doing here? You know, where did my boobs go? And then it's like I had these shirts that used to fit well, but now they fit weird, even though I'm smaller because there's no chest to fill them out. And so I think there's... Oh, go ahead. 
No, I mean, even before you get to the shirt, it's the bra that you can't get one to fit you right because <laughs> there's just like skin and then there's like a gap and, you know, what bra do you even put on comfortably to put on a shirt comfortably, you know? Yeah, and that's where, you know, you and I right now got to get Victoria's Secret on board because I remember I went to, and it's during the pandemic, I went to Victoria's Secret and tried on, or sorry, I couldn't try on because of the pandemic. I got like three bras, met with somebody, had her measure me. I'm like, come on, I really need your help. I'm going back to work and I can't wear a sports bra, right? Mm-hmm. And none of them fit well. It kind of looked like in middle school when you're first trying bras on, right? And there's that awkward, like, oval, like, cup shape showing through your shirt on all mm-hmm. of them. So I call, you know, and they want to know why I want to return them. And I got this guy, Evan, on the phone. And I was just like, Ev, it's a sad situation. Like, it's a really sad situation going on here. I'm returning these because I got some really sad sacks. And he's, you know cracking up and I'm like Ev I know this is just your job but you got to talk to your girl she's old enough now she's Victoria where I know her chest isn't hanging right so she cannot expect mine to and he's like well what if Victoria is actually a man and I said well he's old enough now that his stuff ain't hanging right down there either (laughs) to which point Evan on the other line of customer service lost it and you know I I tell people use humor because that's all you can do about this postpartum body is you have to use humor and it is sad that there's no bras that fit us you know for the people that do lose everything that there's nothing left there's not a lot out there to help us feel confident in our skin again and you know I think you and I have talked about like we can understand now why people get breast augmentation isn't to say give me some double d's let me roll up it's more like let me feel like a woman again. Let me have a shirt that fits well, you know? Yeah, let me, like, have something to fill out all this extra skin I still have. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, I, yeah, I just... And I think the thing through all of these different issues that is so surprising to me is that literally no one ever told me You know, you get pregnant and people are like, oh, it's beautiful, the greatest blessing. And it is, it absolutely is. But no one told me like, hey, (laughs) heads up. And I think that's why I feel so strongly about always being super blunt and honest about it because if I can help one mom who doesn't know, just be like, this is great and wonderful, heads up, this is about to happen. You know, I think, gosh, just and you know you never know until you experience it for yourself but just like a tiny heads up would have been nice yeah for for everything but for some things and I think that's why it's so important to have a support system of people that you can be super honest with and that you can bounce stuff off of and not feel judged or you know just I'm struggling, you know, and that's, I'm going to be honest, up until a couple years ago, that was super hard for me to say. And there's only a select few people I can honestly say that to even now, even though I feel way more confident in everything than I used to. I think just one or two or how many, you know, if you have more, that's great. But just that support system is so huge for 
everybody but specifically moms when you're going you're now responsible for a child you're going through all these things you've never done before there's no right or wrong but man just having a person you can just be like today wasn't a good day and be super honest why or I'm struggling with my body or I feel sad all the time it's just even a person just checking up on you and not just like how are you how's the baby but like straight up like you don't seem good what's going on somebody who truly is like not afraid to ask the hard questions is I mean you just can't even say how important that is so this is gonna lead me so for each guest I wanted to ask three questions so this was a perfect transition so first question for you what was most supportive to you? So you can pick any part of any postpartum period. If you think about, you know, either friends or your husband or even the hospital, what would you say overall has been the most supportive thing you've received as a mom? So I was unfortunately a little bit ahead of the curve as far as having kids but I think being able to for me personally I had support systems like I had good friends that checked in on us that loves our loves our kids I had a husband who adored me who was present I had all those things and it I was still struggling so so bad because I felt like very alone in what I was experiencing and unable to truthfully communicate what it was that was going on because I don't think I was even spending time on it. Like there wasn't time to have thoughts, but it was super helpful later once I realized what had been happening, what had been going on with me for two plus years to say, to have a space that I could just openly say, hey guys, I've experienced this or, hey guys, I'm having a hard time when my husband touches me and I don't know why and I need to talk about it because I feel horrible and I need somebody to tell me I'm not crazy, you know? I think later on down the line when I was ready to talk, which who I am as a person, like I need to come to that point for myself where I'm ready to talk. When I was ready to talk, just having people there to listen non-judgmentally was huge. And then for them to say, no, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Or I've experienced that too. That was, gosh, you can't even put up to words how, how important that was and what a relief it was to know I wasn't the only person. Just to feel validated. Yeah, know? just just to say it and not have any judgment come back and just be like, yeah, yeah, makes total sense. Or I've never experienced that. Tell me more, you know, that just somebody actually listening. Once I was ready to talk, I was ready to talk. And that was just support groups in every situation are, you can't put a price, they're priceless. Well, and I tell people, right, was like, you got to have at least one person you can call and let them know you shit your pants. And if you don't have one person <laughs> that you can call to say, I shit my pants today, then we got to build your support system, right? I mean, yeah. I, You've received the call. I've You've got received. the call. I've sent the call. 
but you yeah, got it. I, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, so, yeah, you're 100% right. So, and I think you answered this, but um, what would you say, even though you're kind of out of the thick of it, what would you say you continue to do today to take care of yourself as a mom? So I continue to go to yoga. Um, it is for my personal sanity, clarity, everything. And that's something I do for myself. But I think as a mom, one of the things that I have learned is it's okay to leave. It's okay to have adult time. It's okay to have bad days. Um, but still, absolutely, the one thing I do for myself, for no one else, is I go to yoga. And then lastly, mm-hmm. what advice do you have for a listener that maybe is a new mom or somebody who's pregnant, somebody maybe that doesn't have a support system? What would your advice be for them? Gosh, there's so much. I would like to hug that person. Um, but I think, I think the one thing I would say is like, you're not alone. You're not the only one. Everything you're feeling, everything you're experiencing is, believe it or not, normal. Um, if you feel truthfully that you don't have a support system, I bet you do. I bet there's people that care that want to know what you have to say, even if you feel embarrassed about it. Um, like it's okay to reach out and if if you truthfully don't have that support system there's so many like therapies and different things you can do over the phone and online Um, but like you should never feel shame about it absolutely not if you think of what happened in your body it was literally like a ravaged war you need to talk to somebody Um, but I think the ultimate thing is like your support group is everything and everything you're feeling is normal. Don't be afraid of it or embarrassed of it. Um, and your body, everything will come back to now being like almost six years out, like all the things you're experiencing, you're in the thick of it. The moments are long and tough, but you will come out of it on the other side, like hundred percent. You will. Yeah, I um, quote in my book, and I know this is kind of putting a damper on things, but up to 20% of postpartum deaths are due to suicide. And I think with talking to you and our other mom friends, it was so important for us to do this because we don't want to know anyone personally. We don't want any mom to be part of that 20%. But I think you bring up a good point is that no matter what you're feeling, there's a mom out there that it has experienced it too. So even if you think you are the only person that must be thinking these messed up or fucked up thoughts or feeling this terrible way, believe it or not, there's probably another mom out there that has experienced the same thing. And you're not alone in that, even if it feels super isolating. And so that's why support is so important. That's why we push it. That's why we encourage it. Because I think what brings a mom the biggest peace of mind is realizing she isn't alone to realize she's not crazy to realize that she can be validated and so um to that end i would say if you don't have a support system build one 
you could, you know, there's support groups online. There's usually support groups at a local hospital. Um, in my book, I've included resources at the end if you purchase that. So just find a way to build it, even if it's not your direct family members or friends, because it is so essential to your healing, to your recovery, so you are able to get through this time period with hopefully minimal expenses to yourself. So, Meg, loves any concluding remarks, anything else you have? I just, no, I think it's just, you know, being a parent is tough. It's, like, so rewarding, but it's tough, and I, I mean, no one's journey is the same, but they're not really that different. And I think just the ability to say, you know, just to say this is tough. Um, I don't I just, I wish someone would have been super open and honest with me back then. And I hope, I know your book and this podcast and different things are going to touch so many people but you know even if it touches one that's worth it so I'm super proud of you thank you definitely could have used it six years ago (laughs) Um, there's a time for everything I needed you I need you to carry me through and then give me the support (laughs) and then now look at we're gonna kill it so yeah I think we're gonna help some mamas out there So thank you so much for your time. Um, If you are listening, feel free to, to, or yeah, feel free to listen to our other episodes. Um, Feel free to reach out to postpartumtherapist at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you would like any resources or if you have your own story to tell. All right. Thanks, everybody.